DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision is giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So, Steve, it's not a good morning if you root for Utah State or BYU because it felt like opportunity. And it felt like opportunity lost. Opportunity got away. And for BYU, you know, there have been times, and we went into this with you last week, where with the seeding, you thought, this is going to be an uphill struggle. But, man, watching UCLA, they're good. And I want to give them credit for being coached up and being smart and playing hard and making shots. And they got toughness. But I don't feel like they have, like, the high-end talent that just causes massive mismatches. I don't feel like they got the NBA guys that would give them separation. Credit them for finding a way to get the win, but I think that's what really makes it feel like opportunity lost. I don't feel like BYU is outclassed. I just feel like they were beaten. Yeah, you know, the thing about you, you guys have been around, Nick Cronin teams, I mean, they're not just prepared, but there's usually an element of toughness. And I, and I felt like this BYU team all year has had toughness and togetherness and had the things you need to be successful. But, you know, watching that game, I agree with you. I mean, there weren't a lot of guys just going out and making plays and had, uh, like you said, NBA-type talent. But they were really disruptive defensively. And any time you can switch uh, basically uh, two through five, uh, and BYU has a very aggressive offense. I mean, there, there are a lot of ball screens. There's a lot of penet- dribble penetration. It's an attacking north-south offense. And, and for the most part, USC just took them completely out of it. And you, 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 the only thing you can look at the evidence, and when you go three, a good shooting team goes three for 17 from the three, it means they're contested. They never got three open looks. They're never and one or another and one where, you know, a pass is made and they're wide open. BYU was never, hardly ever, wide open. And I, this game was won at the defensive end for USC. I mean, they just imposed their will. They were um, obviously more athletic. They were long. And the ability to switch everything uh, didn't allow BYU to get in those seams like they do, especially Barcello, who's really adept at turning corners on screens and penetrating north-south, finding guys, and then they find somebody else wide open. So my just watching that game, and, and, and I seldom during my – in the last few years, well, I watch an entire game. And I get the tournament games in the NC2A. I'll, I'll watch the entire game. But usually I'll just tape it and watch it in 20 or 30 minutes. But it jumped out at me really clearly that, yeah, BYU went three for 17 from the three. But UCLA had a whole lot to do with that. And uh, so we can talk about UCLA not being a team that uh, probably has uh, draft, draftable-type guys at this point in time. But as a unit, they were solid, and they were driven. And I think, to be honest with you, the advantage they had is they'd played a game. And if there was any doubt in this team, beating Michigan State when they were down big, come back and win in overtime, they came into that game with a lot of confidence, a little more relaxed attitude. This is BYU's first opportunity. I mean, none of those kids are – Really, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I'm not sure that any of those kids have ever played in an NC2A. Maybe Barcello did at Arizona, but didn't play. Arms did. Arms probably, Arms probably did play a little bit. Yeah. But for the most part, most of them had ever been in that environment, and there is an adjustment. And uh, so I agree with you that this wasn't uh, a team talented that it has a bunch of NBA draft picks, 
But collectively, as a group, UCLA was really, really good defensively and imposed their will. And anytime you can hold a team like that, like BYU, who did shoot 49% from the field goal, but they live and die on that three. They need that three. That, that's the difference maker for them. And when, when a BYU team only has five assists, when on a regular basis they'll have 15 or 20, tells you that uh, there wasn't any separation. I mean, they couldn't get separation so that it, it, they needed help. That's how, that's how you create assists. You, you dribble penetrate, they help, you kick, you kick one more time, feet squared, you knock a shot down. That wasn't happening. So as I look at Mark Pope, the job that he's done and what he's going to do go forward, it's clear to me that, you know, related to what you did when you took over a program that was in shambles and got it to winning titles in only four years, you two two-pronged deal. You had transfers that were junior college kids and then mixed in and blended in with the traditional recruiting base of BYU, and we know what that is. Uh, Pope, it looks like he is putting more emphasis on the transfers. Now, they are four-year transfers. By four-year, I mean going to four-year as opposed to junior college, although he does have the one junior college kid coming in or on the program with George, obviously. And I'm trying to figure out, how successful he can do that going forward to get BYU to have success in the tournament because there's been three coaches now, even four going back to Roger Reed, and that's as far as I go back, as far as have had success getting to the NCAA tournament. Put him in there, and obviously you and Dave did that too. But everybody wants more. And and I look at it, I'm trying to gauge, is it tougher or easier now? And I'm going back and forth because you guys, especially for you and then Dave earlier, when you were in the Mountain West, and that was a really good basketball conference. And when BYU and Utah came to town, it was a big, big deal. So kids were excited about that. You don't get that as much in the West Coast Conference, Gonzaga, obviously, and to an extent St. Mary's. And then you got a bunch of sort of just kind of programs that are existing. So my thought for you going forward, do you believe that this is the way Mark Pope has to do it at a higher level in order to get the program to have success in the NCAs, or can they rely more on the traditional BYU recruiting base? Well, I, I think, I mean, if, if I were there today, and, and, and the Mark has been amazing in terms of what he's done and putting this together in two years, and, and when you have a comp- almost an entirely completely different lineup from year one to year two, uh, I think you need to do both. Uh, I, I think that Mark is going to find, the, the, I mean, I, you know, the difference for me and, and when I was there in my experience was that none of, the, none of the, there weren't any BYU guys coming. You know, I mean, they were going to Utah. They were going to Utah State. The, the best members of the church were not coming to BYU for a few years. And so, like you said, we were kind of forced our hand to look at junior college guys or transfers or whatever that might have been. Uh, that's not the case today. Uh, I, I think uh, members of the church are going to want to come to BYU. There, there is facilities galore. There's a great coaching staff that has rapport with kids. There's chemistry and culture there. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different that I think they can get those guys, and I think they need to continue to get those guys. And, and not very often are guys leaving early from BYU. That's not the type of student-athlete they're recruiting. And they don't have access to those types of guys, but they have access to really good players. And occasionally you're going to have a guy that gets drafted and maybe leaves early. That's happened a little bit as of late. But I, I think the thing about 
the transfer rule, which is so unique, is that, first of all, this coming year, you guys think that they've allowed you can come in and don't have to share. And so you can fix issues. You can A kid that transfers is not happy. Somebody gets hurt. Whatever the circumstances are, you can take full advantage of that. And Mark has the relationships. that It's a high-energized staff. They're going to connect with young people today. Uh, you, you just have to watch some video of the Gonzaga game and different home games when they had fans. And young people are going to come there. They're going to be impressed whether they're members of the church or not. So it's a destination. The facilities, the practice facility, the fan base, they pretty much have it all in terms of those types of things. Yes, there are some restrictions. They can't just bring anybody into this school. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think they have to have a balance. There's no way you don't take advantage of that because it's going to be what gets you back in. I mean, honestly, I don't think most people thought coming into this thing that BYU probably was going to be an NC2A team. There were a lot of question marks when you have a completely new team, the, the unknowns. And, and somehow, some way, by getting three times, I mean, Barcello had been there, but Everett, I mean, he had a huge impact on this thing. And Harm's presence at the rim and the things that he did there, getting Loner to come in, who, who will be a long-term guy who is a member of the church, and then, but other guys like, you know, Nell and Johnson, they got good play out of people that none of us have ever heard of before. And so it is one of those things. I thought, I thought they did a, a wonderful job going forward. I think you, you continue to do the same. The more people you can get into the program for four years, it, it, you're right. It, it, you have that continuity. You have that confidence. Uh, the culture of the program is consistent. And guys get better. That's what happens with most of the coaches that have coached at BYU is they'll get a kid and get a young man that comes, he goes on a mission, comes back, and all of a sudden, you know, no one knows who he is, and by the time he's a junior, where'd this guy come from? That's the benefit of being able to do both. He, he can not only develop players, young players, that possibly serve missions early, come back, and he has an opportunity to, to kind of look around and see what's out there and what he needs and I'm sure they're doing that uh, at this very moment. And that's how quickly your mind changes. Is that we, we've got to get this. We've got to be better here. We know what our weaknesses are. I haven't heard anything about, I think Harms isn't coming back, but I know any of these seniors could come back. And if, if that happens, that, that changes the dynamics of it too. So I don't know if you were a brand-new coach that you could ever go into a situation that was better, where you could fix when you have attrition in a program. And then you can immediately fix it by getting out and beating the streets down and finding guys that can play. So you, you never know when those times happen or when guys you recruit, aren't they don't turn out. I mean, they just don't live up to expectations, and you need to make changes. In today's world, the NC2A, you can fix mistakes that coaches sometimes make or that players make. And so I, I think it has – you know, Pat, I just think it has to be both. And, and I think that's the world we live in. It would be foolish to go away from transfers – and just try to sustain it with uh, LDS kids or kids that feel comfortable and feel like they're a good fit. So if for me, speaking for me, man, I, I would love that. I would love the opportunity to go out and find a nugget or two every year knowing that, hey, somebody broke their leg, somebody transferred, somebody went on a mission. You can fix those problems way quicker today than you could 20 years ago. So do you think there's a risk in having too many transfers that you start getting some of the same issues that these high-end schools have with the one-and-done kids? Oh, yeah, you could. You could. I mean, you know, I, 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 there's no question. It, it, you, I think the balance is the key. And I, I think if, but every year you're probably going to have two, three, four. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, a, a situation where 
you have transfers and junior college type transfers. But yeah, you're right. The guys that have one year and want to, they they're ready to go. They graduated, or and now with the new rules, you can it's, you don't even have to sit out. I think yeah, you do have to find a balance. You have to be careful, and you certainly have to be careful with character things. And you know, like the NC, the NBA is is really good at uh, doing their homework in terms of character and type of person and how they'll fit in. And I think there's, there has to be a real significant emphasis on making sure you have the right type of guy transfer-wise coming into your program that won't be disruptive, that uh, is not going to be a problem down the road. So, yeah, you, you could potentially have problems if you don't, uh, you don't have an attention to detail in terms of your preparation, in terms of who you recruit, and especially when you're recruiting through the transfer portal. So since the last time we spoke to you, there is an opening now at the University of Utah. How good of a job is that? It's a good job. I mean, you benefit from just an amazing community support-wise. You're in an NBA city. Uh, you, you have culture. You have everything that you, you a young man would want. You're in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, there are a lot of benefits. They have a, a great history there and a great fan base that hasn't been there lately, recently, and that, that happens when you're not winning. But I think it's a great job. And uh, I think I, I haven't heard a lot about who the candidates are or if anything's even been said. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, again, it's a, it's a unique situation because you are going to deal with LDS young men in, in that program that are going to go on missions. You have a degree of that. Uh, you have the ability to, I mean, they've established relationships in Europe and around the world, uh, which is you can do that at the University of Utah. Uh, I think that <clears throat> you can find whatever you want to find in terms of types of players, in terms of uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a public school. It, it's not nearly as restrictive as BYU might be. So I think it's a great job. And I, I think – you know, Larry did some great things there. I mean, it, it, it did the, the recruiting and uh, some disgruntled young people, you know, it got away from them. But at the end of the day, those first few years were magical. I mean, they had great teams. And, and obviously, there, there have been coaches there. And, and none, you know, more important probably than Rick Majerus, who turned that thing and just uh, they were doing special things. But all the coaches have been there have had years where they had success. Uh, they just need somebody to come in there and sustain it. And uh, I, I'm not sure I know a lot about who, who's applied for that or who's in it, but that's a job that if you're in a mid-major or you're in a high major, you're an assistant, I mean, that, that's a job you want. I, I just think they've got everything there. And, and uh, I don't know a lot about the athletic program and the athletic director. I've not met him, but it just seems like things are in place for that to be good. And uh, time for a change, time to move on. I hope Larry stays in the game uh, because he's got a great mind and he's got a good heart. And so I hope I hope the best for him, but uh, that this that that is a really really good job. So how hot do you think Craig Smith is right now? Minnesota, <laughs> everybody's looking at that because he coached in South Dakota. He's from Minnesota. I mean, he's got the ties to that state and that part of the country, and he's got three straight NCAA tournaments. So how hot do you think he is, and how much would people want the Aggie job? If well, it comes I, I think, first of all, yes, he is a hot commodity, and <clears throat> deservedly so. He's done a great job there, and uh, wherever he goes, he's going to be successful. He, 
he's not only a good coach, but he's a great organizer. He's an administrator. He can communicate with his players. He gets guys to play hard. I mean, I, I don't know, Craig, but, but uh, I watched probably six, seven, eight of his games. I watched them play here in Fresno one year, a couple of years back when they played Fresno State. Just watched him, watched his team. He gets it, you know, and uh, if he stays at Utah State, he'll – He'll uh, do the things that Stu Morrill did for so many years. You know, great coach, Coach Morrill. Uh, but I, I could see him leaving. And, and, and obviously, I'm not sure that Utah State is going to be able to pay him uh, what uh, some of these other schools are going to pay. And there's Midwest ties. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that if, if he leaves. He's done a great job. He's done everything for that community. And uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he does leave. I, I don't know him well enough to know or speculate where he might go, but all the things you just mentioned are probably uh, things that he's got heavily on his mind, and uh, there could be a move in his plans. Who knows? I, I love Utah State. Great fan base. Uh, you can bring young people in from everywhere. Again, you benefit from a solid LDS core group. It's a state that has good basketball. It's not great basketball. But it's got good basketball and good good coaching there, great coaching in Utah. So, um uh, whether he stays or leaves, he's always going to be in a good situation. He's lost some pretty good kids the last couple of years, but I love what he's doing, and it's fun to watch his teams play. Uh, I think both are really good jobs. So uh, they'll be highly sought after. There'll be a lot of people applying for him. So you talk about money, and you know money matters. Let's not kid ourselves, and it's important to everyone. It's just, it just is. There's no other way around it. And you talk about how – uh, Craig Smith might receive offers that will include more money, and maybe if Mark Pope has success, no doubt in my mind that he would get that opportunity possibly to get more money. What should the schools do? And you were in that situation yourself because you left BYU. What should the sh- what can the schools do? I should say, as far as offering a better pi- financial package, and maybe some other things that are included in that package when a bigger money offer comes from someplace else and you want to keep that individual person? You know, I think with each individual person, it it is different in terms of what their experience has been. I'm just going to assume that for both of those coaches, they've had a really good experience at Utah State and at BYU. I think the ceiling at BYU is pretty significantly higher than it is at Utah State because of facilities. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a more difficult maybe place to recruit to and but I think with the transfer portal rules, with the relationships that Mark and his staff have, I don't think they're going to have a problem continuing to get good players and to take that program to another level. Um, but but yes, and, and I, I think even maybe more than money or years and security. And but these are both young coaches, and they're going to have opportunities. So I, I don't think that that's going to be a driving force. Though I think it will be a force that is something you have to consider. And when you're looking at six and seven years and you're looking at significant amounts of money, that is, that's something that, you know, you, you can't just ignore that. Uh, it's not the reason you take a job. You, you know immediately when you go on a campus and you meet it. I mean, as important as that is, is getting to know the president, getting to know the athletic director. I, I will tell you just from a personal perspective that, in my heart, going back home felt like the right thing. But I, I can look back and have 2020 vision and know that some of the things that, that I, the relationships I had with my president, my athletic director, weren't anything like I thought they were going to be. 
and and and, and so it was it, it it left a bad taste in my mouth in the sense that I felt like I didn't do the due diligence. Maybe I should have done more, but I had talked to so many people, and it felt it felt right for me to go back home and to do that. But when I got there, I realized what I hadn't really done is really gotten to know the president. Uh, I didn't know the AD. Uh, I didn't know, you know, there was the probation that would be coming and, and hit the program, but more importantly, the people. And, and I can tell you that if you do make a change, you better know that, that there is an absolute trust between the people you're going to work with and work around. And that was the one thing that I think both at Utah, BYU, Utah State, are all programs that I think have great leadership. And that is important for you, for your family and for you and for the things you're going to want to do. And so as you sit down and talk to somebody about leaving one institution, going to another, not only do you share with them, and that's what most people are you know, interested in, you share with them what your plan is and what your goals are and what your roles are going to be. But more importantly, you better be having a conversation about, okay, President, tell me what you're committed to. What, what do you think this should look like? What are your expectations of me? Rather than getting so caught up in the years and the money and the jet and all the other things that go with it, you, you need to do your due diligence. And so it's easy sometimes to say, well, I'm going to get make double the pay. Well, it doesn't matter if you're going to get double the pay if you don't have the support of administration or you don't have the support of the people close around you or they don't have maybe a, a, a academic program there that's in place that works to help kids be successful or whatever the things that are important to you. So, yeah, I would, you know, I, I learned that lesson, you know, and uh, it, it's one of those things that, was really difficult and really hard for me for a long time. It's it's not that I felt like I made a mis- mistake about leaving, and, and and certainly there was some money issues that were involved there, but more importantly, I was kind of going back home, too. And I felt like this is an opportunity to do something pretty unique. You know, 2020 vision, looking back, you know what, you could say that was probably a big mistake. I mean, there are a lot of things in life, right? Not every decision that I ever made. Uh, was perfect to write. I, I thought I thought through it, but the mistake that I made personally was I didn't take the time to really get to know the people there. I just trusted them and knew that this would go forward as it seemed, and it didn't. And I'm not blaming anybody on my lack of success or whatever it was, because there were a lot of really, really good things that happened there, and we did rebuild a lot of things and academically and getting them out of probation, all those things, but it's not, it wasn't my goal when I went there. So I think people have to be really careful about what they're looking at and who they're going to go be with and work with. Uh, we, I had great people, you know, at, at BYU, good friends, still good friends, uh, that when they told you something, you could trust them. So I would say to, to Mark Pope down the road and to Coach Smith and anybody else that just make sure you know exactly what you're getting into. It's just it's really important for you your family, your own personal sanity. So uh, I, I think both those guys will have offers all the time. Uh, I, I can't speak for either one of them, but from the outside looking in, I think Mark seems really entrenched there. He's excited in the conversations I've had. He's, we've had a, we've shared texts a bit during the season. Uh, he wants to build something there special. Uh, there may be a time and a day that he decides to go somewhere else. I don't know. And, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Coach Smith stayed at Utah State. However, I think for him, where he has the Midwest ties and 
has some opportunities there. That may be a more natural fit for him than living in Logan, Utah. I don't know. But those are my thoughts on that. And I think that they're both really smart guys and really, really, really good coaches. It doesn't matter where they coach. They're going to be successful. Steve, we appreciate a little bit of time. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Okay. There's Steve Cleveland. And just to add to that, PK, in my own life, anything I planned uh, screwed up. Anything I fell into uh, worked out pretty well. So I don't know what lesson there is to draw from that. But that's how all those career decisions worked out for me. Well, I thought that was very insightful with Steve talking about some regrets that he had about not doing some homework on some other issues that maybe he didn't understand and he would have done differently. Uh, I thought that that was very open and honest. Maybe he should have stayed at BYU. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show in one segment next. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK... We've talked a lot of football this morning, a lot of college basketball this morning. We heard from the Utes. We heard from Kyle Whittingham, Chad Bumpus, and Britton Covey. A lot about the receivers. If I don't hear the free phrase wide receiver room for a while, I'll be okay with that. I think I'm my fill of that. And yet the wide receivers are a massive story. How good is this team going to be? Britton Covey feeling like it's going to be a big year. Kyle Whittingham talking about throwing 50-50 balls. Who are these guys, and what have they done with the Utes? Oh, I'd be throwing 50-50 balls probably seven, eight times a series. Are you kidding me? Go deep. They don't even need to huddle. Just go deep. I'm chucking it up to you solo. Get downfield and make the magic happen. Just drop back. Just throw it wildly up in the air. And he comes down with it. DeAndre Hopkins goes, wow, I'm impressed with that. Anybody would be impressed with that. You're referencing pod, arguably the play of the year in the NFL. I mean, I know it didn't lead to anything, but just as a play, it was awesome. <laughs> Definitely make you scream on the couch. Oh! <laughs> Anything else you take away from that? Chad Bumpus is young and energetic, which is what Kyle Winningham likes in his recruiters. He likes recruiters who want to build a career and are just getting started and are willing to hit the trail and when that's of course allowed by the NCA as it was in the before yeah. times and hopefully will be again soon or at least has the energy to do 5,000 Zoom calls and come flying through every one of those and uh, FaceTime as many recruits as necessary that's what I need him to do the Norm Chow line has really stuck with me all these years I need these guys to recruit you know, I've got my coordinators and myself to do the coaching, and they do certainly do some uh, coaching. There's no question about it. But you need them to recruit. Herm Edwards 
has learned that it's all about recruiting and you can be the smartest dude in X's and O's. He hired the two youngest guys. The two youngest guys in, in the Pac-12 now are in their 20s as recruiters. He's got three high school coaches on his staff. Uh, one of them played in the NFL and Antonio Pierce, another Claiborne. Uh, I think he might have played in the NFL too, SC linebacker. And he hired him as uh, as a defensive coach. He's got this guy named Chris Hawkins, who's like 24 years old. Brian Johnson's story all over again. Can't rent guys, a car. Two guys in their 20s. You don't need to rent a car now because everything is Zoom, Zoom, as you say. Yeah. So, And he, right now, and this is for next year's class, obviously, uh, he's got the most guys committed. So they have this thing that, that – Pac-12 thing that I told you about, and they mm-hmm. list the guys. And he last week he got his second guy, four star, if you believe in all that, remains to be seen, out of Hannondale. So they got two guys. That's the school. Where Zach <laughs> they saw Moss, the youth. They saw the youth win. Like, well, we're going to that school. <laughs> yeah, and they've got two DBs who are four star guys. And, you know, you see it all, and I read it, and they go, wow, this guy, you know, he's like one of us. He's barely older than me, blah, 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 blah. And that's what it's about. And that's most especially what it's about when you have to recruit as opposed to evaluate. And that's another thing Norm said on her air that stuck with me. When he was at SC, it was about evaluation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily about recruiting and there's few schools who can do that. They and certainly the the ASU program is not one of those schools that could just well we'll just evaluate. Look at us. Oh, they got nothing to look at there. You have to recruit. You have to sell. And so if Bumpus being young now, he brought it up multiple times. His youth, mm-hmm. and I'm not so interested in his youth as far as what he can teach Britton Covey and all that stuff. I'm interested in his youth and how he can connect with the recruits. I don't know what his recruiting area is going to be. I know Guy Holiday had some Texas in there. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. And Kyle has beat that in the drum, beat that drum too into the ground many times over. It's about recruiting. It's about the players. They're the ones who have to make the plays. And that's so crucial. And with him going young, and that's a significant difference because Guy Holiday was in his upper 50s. Not that that's you can't be successful doing that because I think you can. And this guy, 31 years old, I think Bumpus is. So what can he do recruiting? And what does that youth play? I don't need your youth to be buddying up to the kids that are already in the program. I need your youth to be able to buddy up to get kids into the program. Absolutely, because it starts. It doesn't matter from the uh, from elementary school to the pros. You pick the teams, and that is ninety percent of the game, as Kyle likes to say. And you got to pick the right players. You got to bring the right guys in. And they keep talking about they're opening more doors and getting more guys. And so now here's a younger guy, and hey, how many doors can he open, and how many more guys can they get to? Because if there's one place they haven't been recruiting NFL talent, it would be the wide receiver group. Notice I didn't say the wide receiver room tired of that. Got over that pretty quick. <laughs> About 17 references to that in the 8 o'clock hour today, if you missed it. Beat that one into the ground. Alright, so that's a lot of the college football we talked. Uh, we did talk some college basketball. Uh, Cinderella is alive and well in this tournament from Loyola Chicago to Oral Roberts. And some of the big dogs are going down. Texas is out. Florida is out. Ohio State is out. How about Ohio? Retweet this if your favorite basketball team in Ohio is still in the tournament. Nice shot. 
I see what you did. Throwing a little shade there. Well done. Who did Ohio State lose to again? Uh, Roberts? Yes, they did. Yes. They were two losing to a 15. Because I saw somebody, might have been Oral Roberts, had the, on Twitter, the Oral Roberts yeah. University. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> I was, uh, last month, I was down in Phoenix, and I went golfing on a Saturday. It was a gorgeous day. And they paired us up, my wife and I, with two guys who were hardcore Illinois fans. Now, they were in their late 30s. And they were alumni, and one was living in Minnesota, and so in the other was someplace else. And they met for a golf weekend in the winter in Arizona, as people are prone to do. But they were hardcore Illinois fans to the point where Illinois was playing as we were golfing, and they had the game on the radio on their phones, and they were listening to it, and they were just going back and forth about it. I thought about them when I saw Illinois lose to Loyola of Chicago and Sister Golden Hair Jean. <laughs> Sister Golden Hair. So you were golfing with them while Illinois was beating snot out of Drexel? Because they would have been stressed in that Loyola Chicago game right away. Loyola Chicago. No, no, no. I was this was game. last month. It, it was, oh, it was uh, during regular season. Yeah, I was okay. not in Arizona last oh, week. Okay. No, no. It was it was it was a conference game. It was the first week of February, okay. first Got Saturday it. in February yeah. that, uh, that we were there. Well, Illinois, and there were plenty of BYU, uh, or not so much BYU, but more Utah State and Weber State fans, because uh, Illinois won't play Loyola Chicago, you know, and you would think Illinois downstate could come up and play in Chicago while the students are away, and recruit Chicago and have a presence for all the alumni, but they won't do it, they haven't done it in a decade, and now they got them in the tournament and they got beat. Plenty of uh, Aggie and Wildcat fans, Utah won't play us. It's a familiar story. It happens everywhere. It happens in California. I don't know if it happens in Arizona. You don't have as many schools there. Do they play Grand Canyon in NAU? The, those two probably don't scare them. Uh, yeah, Devils played Grand Canyon this year at Grand Canyon. Yeah. I, I think it's stupid. Get over yourself. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think they should be playing. Um, it's a longstanding tradition. I don't think that uh, in California there's 8 trillion schools and they had long-standing traditions. They don't. They do not have the tradition part of it. Everybody would like USC, UCLA, and Cal and Stanford to come to visit, and occasionally they offer you a one-off home game, and most of the time they blow you off. Yeah, there's just too many teams there. Yeah, Here, but my team's not. important. You can blow off Cal Poly, but don't blow off UC Santa Barbara, please. Yeah, tough loss by them right at the bucket, and he missed it. You know, that that bugged me, but even more than that, you got the lead, and you don't get an offensive rebound, and then you foul a guy who's dribbling away from the basket. Ah! That is another school that is, uh, and there are lots of schools doing this. You know, Mark Pope's not the only one mining the transfer market. You know, they their guard line is uh, DePaul and Oregon State, and they got uh, they got an Oregon kid, and they got several other smaller schools, Jacksonville, of course, and somewhere else. Everyone's doing it. I mean, yeah. Oregon State had an Oklahoma kid. Yep. Yesterday, you know, I, I felt bad for the Santa Barbara guys, but then I stepped back and thought, okay. You're getting your schooling paid for, and you're playing basketball in Santa Barbara, and you get to live in Santa Barbara during that time of your life. I don't feel that bad for you. Yeah, that's a win. <laughs> Only thing is, you should have gone there earlier. What were you doing at DePaul and Oregon State in the first place? Um, well, who knows if they were being recruited by that. See, that's the thing that the transfer portal opens up, because I don't know that and I'm not familiar with Santa Barbara and their recruiting, but I'm guessing they're not recruiting kids who are interested in DePaul 
most likely. Well, there's a certain amount, I think, when you're in the Big West and leagues like that, there's a certain amount of give up. Like, I don't have the resources, the time, the energy, yeah. the money to chase you. You're what? probably going to the Pac-12 or you're probably going to the Big East. You know, it's well, a, I assume yeah. the big sky. I assume Randy races players all the time and says, yeah, I'd like to have you, but I'm not going to recruit you now because I know you're going to run off to, you know, this Pac-12 school or this Big 12 school or whatever. And that's what the transfer portal opens up. You have direct contact, and then you can have an opportunity for a kid to take a look <laughs> at you that maybe he wouldn't have coming out of high school if it's just based on geography. How do you how do you phrase that with a kid when he's in high school? Listen, I get why you're looking at the Pac-12 and the Big 12, but it's probably not going to work. And just remember me when it doesn't, because you're really going to do well here. <laughs> probably can't say it like that. Uh, the Utah Jazz, we've kind of given them a little bit of a pass this morning, but they are back in action against the Bulls, wrapping up a road trip. Will they finish 3-2? and two? Will they finish 2-3? and three? Rudy Gobert, after practice yesterday, talked about a renewed commitment to defense. They basically looked at themselves after the Wizards game and didn't really like what they saw, especially defensively. And not that it was great against Toronto, but it was better and it was good enough to win. Well, the 41 free throws to the 14, I don't see Jazz fans up in arms demanding some type of uh, justice in the league, nor did I see it in Boston when they shot 24 free throws to four free throws for Boston. The fact is, since the Philly game, and I'm writing about this and it'll be published tomorrow, so don't anybody rip me off, that uh, since uh, Gobert and Mitchell went public with that criticism, they have shot as a team 147 free throws to 87 for the opponents. That's because they're attacking the hoop and playing the game the right way, PK. Yeah, and Nick Nurse threw his uh, mask mask and cussed out the officials and got fined $50,000. I got to think that somewhere Jerry Sloan has his hands on his hip and is nodding up and down in approval. Jerry never had a mask to throw, but if he had, he might have thrown it. (laughs) All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, your feedback on the way. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kalani Sataki, head coach of BYU. We have four quarterbacks that are definitely you know up there in the running, and we're going to have to narrow this down a little bit because there's just not enough reps to go around. But right now, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, and Soljay Mayava, those guys are the front runners, and they're having great days. And, you know, the whole part about spring and even getting into being a coach, you want to develop depth. When you get depth and you have four quarterbacks that are battling for starting time, that's a good position to be in. There's a lot of great players here that are in the mix and then that's the whole part of trying to develop your team into a program is that you want to get as deep as possible so it makes everyone have to raise their level of play and then you just play the best guys. We're seeing some great competition right now and especially at the quarterback position. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, time for your feedback, what you're saying on Twitter and on uh, social media this morning. And, PK, let's start with what KSTP Sports, KSTP is the ABC station in Minneapolis, tweeted out this morning. They tweeted out that Northern Iowa Hoops coach Ben Jacobson interviewed for the Gophers job over the weekend. We hear at least one other in-person interview has already occurred with at least one more on the horizon today. Utah State coach Craig Smith is expected to interview in person. Not clear whether he'd be the one more or whether that means there's a total of four people interviewing in person. But we've all heard Craig link to that job, and there's KTSP, KSTP Sports saying 
he'll be one of three or four people interviewed in person, at least that they can identify. Maybe there's more, but that's what they're reporting. They tweeted that out this morning. Okay. Other feedback coming in on uh, today's show. Uh, Jason says, normally I wouldn't say being in the first four is an advantage. But this year, with a game under the belts, a day off, and no travel to contend with, that was a more enviable path for a team like UCLA. Maybe, but I just thought, it goes back to what Steve Cleveland said, they imposed their will on the game. They got out there and defended, and they weren't letting BYU have a bunch of easy stuff, and BYU didn't get in a groove, and uh, UCLA took that game. You know what I think it was? What? And I think it was they had BYU, Brigham Young on their jerseys. We have UCLA on our jerseys. We're a better program. We have no doubt we're in our mind we're going to win. Actually, we thought the tougher game was going to be Michigan State, which clearly it was. <laughs> it was a mindset. You had a bunch of scared dudes running around, except for Barcelo. And, and Loner's a great rebounder. He's not much of an offensive player yet. He'll develop that as he goes. And you had these other guys there. They just were. They had swag. They believed they could win right they, from the start. I think that's what it was. They, you can go back and forth. They didn't have to travel. They played another game. Blah 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 blah. Whatever it might be. We're in the Pac-12, and we have a story program, this. and we're playing a Mountain West or a West Coast Conference team that isn't named Gonzaga. We should win. Jimmy says, as a U fan, I'd love to make fun of BYU and the lack of success in the tournament. But right now, I just welcome Utah being one and done in the tournament every year. Uh, yeah, right now, but that would change quickly. But I get your point. Yes, right now is the key phrase right there. Uh-huh. All right, DJ PK, we are out of time. Coming up next, Scotty and Hands on 97.5 The Zone. On 1280 The Zone, we're splitting the signal. 1280 The Zone is going to have NCAA tournament games. Eight more games today. You'll hear them on 1280. You will hear regular shows on 97.5 and the Jazz Game on 97.5 with David Locke. Coming up tonight, the uh, coverage begins at 6 o'clock with Jazz Game, game night pregame show. Uh, Jazz and Bulls at 7, a little later than usual for a central time zone game. But with COVID testing, that's been happening sometimes. So there you go. DJ and PK, Scotty and Hands next. See ya.